welcome. You are listening to Grace Capital Church Podcast. Well, how's everybody doing this morning? Everybody doing all right? Hey, what do you think of this weather? Uh, I, I actually have to say I'm truly a uh, redneck because I got burned on my neck yesterday um, doing some yard work and... Uh, Oh my word, I love this time of year when the buds just start budding out. And I know for some of you who suffer with allergies, my apologies because you don't love this time of year. But uh, for me, this is like all of a sudden, this is why I live in New England. You asked me a couple months ago and I'd be like, why do I live in New England? <laughs> well, we are on this, um, this series called The Bride and I want to um, just give you a quick update. If you have just been joining us this series has really been looking at the, uh, what Jesus has to say to the seven churches in the book of Revelation, and why this is important that we look at this together, and why we call it the bride. Do you realize that we are called the bride of Christ, and who is our bridegroom? Jesus is, just in case you're wondering. Now, when he says the bride of Christ, when he says the church, the church is you and I, people. People make up the church. It's not a building. And uh, Jesus has some very specific things to tell these churches. These were actual churches um, in modern-day Turkey. And he wanted to say these things of encouragement, but also some things of... mm, some harder things, maybe some rebuke. Nobody likes to be rebuked, do they? No, we always just like encouragement. We want the good stuff, but sometimes the harder stuff is also what is important for us to grow. You know, when we have kids, how many people have kids here? How many people... um, Yes, it doesn't matter how old you are, they're still kids, right? My father-in-law, who's in his 80s, he's right up, I have kids... Now, in my mind, I was thinking young kids, but he's thinking, I still have kids. But here's the thing about kids. If, if you don't discipline them, if you don't rebuke them, do you actually love them? No, the, the Bible even says that about our Father. It, our Father in heaven disciplines those that he loves. So Jesus, as he's talking to us in this book of Revelation, he's saying to these churches, these are the things you're doing great, but these are the things I need you to work on. And how that relates to us today as a church is so important because what Jesus was saying to this church is what he's also saying to us. And he wants us to be ready for his return. Do you know that Jesus is going to be returning at any moment? So we need to live our lives as a church ready for his return. Well, last week, uh, Pastor Kevin Shepard did an amazing job uh, uh, giving of the sermon. I, I had an opportunity to listen to that earlier in the week. And, and in the nutshell, basically this is the culture will tell us what to believe if we don't know what we believe. We talked about the culture will tell us what to believe if we don't know what we believe. And really the emphasis of let's, let's get in the Word of God. Let's find out what the truth is. Otherwise, our culture will seep in to the church, and it will change our thinking and which will change our actions. Well, today, if you'll have your Bibles, we'll turn to the book of Revelation, and uh, you can flip those pages. We like listening to pages. I know we live in a technology era, but there's something about having a Bible that you can underline and go back to and make notes on. Revelation chapter 2 
This week we're going to be talking about the church in Thyatira, Thyatira, however you want to say this. And it's very similar, what Jesus has to say is very similar to last week, what Jesus addressed in the church of Pergamum. But today we're going to be talking not so much about the culture having influence in the church. In other words, talking about the moral influence. Today we're going to be talking a little bit about our belief system, our worldview of things. When I was a young man, I was probably... um, Well, I was 21, and I remember I just graduated from college, and probably a lot of people similar to my age, I grew up in the church. I grew up in Ottawa, Ontario. Actually, I was just talking to somebody who said they were just in Canada. They said, we love Canada. I said, that must mean you love me, because I am a Canadian, but I'm also American. I am a half-breed, but but the good side of Canada, you'll notice, because it'll be the good side of me. But when I get all like in your face, that's a good old Yankee of me coming out. Just want to let you know. At 21, I really wrestled with something. I said, God, if you're real, you need to show yourself to me because if you're not, I have better things to do with my time on than go to church on Sundays. And I remember that wrestle, wrestle. I grew up in the church, but then at the point I was like, is this like just cultural? Is this just what we do because that's what my parents did? And I had a real encounter with God in my living room at the age of probably 22. But I remember wrestling through all these things. Well, God, you know what? There's so many people that are more devout as Muslims than I ever was as a Christian. Why does it Christianity right? Why are all these other world religions wrong? And I began to wrestle this in my mind, and then I came to the conclusion, well... Jesus, or God just chose to find me through Jesus. Okay, before you get too crazy on your mind on that, that thinking actually, as much as it's true, had some danger in that thought. Because in many ways, then I said, well, Jesus just happened to find me, or God just happened to find me through Jesus, and this is where he brought me into Christianity. But maybe all the other ones will lead to the same place, really was what I was saying. I don't know what you think about that. Is that right or is that wrong? We have a lot of other world religions out there that have some really devout people, people who are actually willing to give their very life for their God, to allow themselves to be blown up, to be, in essence, their own life being taken. How is it, though, that Christianity is, could it be the one and only way? Here's another thought. Our schools today are teaching so much about tolerance. We live in a multicultural world with multiple views, and so we're taught to be tolerant in schools. This idea of tolerance, the challenge with tolerance is this, is it then becomes everything is relative, there's no absolute truth, And tolerance, if we're intolerant, it is equated to being hateful, right? If you're intolerant, then somehow you're against somebody, you're hateful. And the reality is, Jesus has something to say about tolerating certain things. But in our culture, in our worldview, we have come to this place of saying, well, maybe there's not absolute truth. Oh, yes. Practice tolerance. You see, 
you've seen the coexist thing on bumper stickers, and this is kind of a, a type of thing. It's like, you know what? There's all kinds of ways to get to one way. Can I give you a quick statistic? A recent survey conducted by the Barna Group, which is a leading research organization that focuses on the relationship of faith and culture, this is what they found, that less than 1% of young adult population in the United States has a biblical worldview. Less than 1% of the population. Even more startling, the data shows that less than one half of 1%, now this is of Christians between the ages of 18 and 23, have a biblical worldview. That 1%, by the way, is Christians, not just all population of Christians. 1% have a biblical worldview. Let me just define what a biblical worldview is. That absolute moral truth exists. That the Bible is completely inerrant, it's not fallible. That Satan is a real being, not symbolic. That a person cannot earn his way into the kingdom of God through good works. That Jesus Christ lived a sinless life on earth. And that God is the supreme creator of the heaven and earth and reigns over the universe today. Now, Now you look at those and maybe some of you are saying... I believe that, but maybe some of you are also scratching their heads like, I don't know if I, even, if I even fit in that category of this type of biblical truth. But do you realize that these ideas, these concepts of that there's absolute moral truth, that's a new thought that, that today everything's relative. Could there be absolute truth today? Uh, So many people would say, no, there's not. But where does that leave us then as the church if we start to go down this path of feeling like everything's kind of relative? Is there a line? Is there black and white? Or do we live in this new reality of gray? If you'll... Read with me in Revelation chapter 2, verses 18. This idea of tolerance Jesus actually spoke to in this scripture. Again, this is to the church of Thyatira. And to the angel of the church in Thyatira, write the words of the Son of God, who has eyes like a flame of fire and whose feet are like burnished bronze, Now, here he goes. He's saying some good things about this church. Everybody, ears perk up at this point. The church like, oh, yeah, we're doing things right. I know your works, your love and your faith and service and patient endurance and that your latter works exceed the first. You're doing well. Uh Uh-oh, here comes the but word. But I have this against you, that you tolerate, here's the word tolerance, that you tolerate that woman Jezebel who calls herself a prophetess and is teaching and seducing my servants to practice sexual immorality and to eat food sacrificed to idols. I gave her time to repent, but she refuses to repent of her sexual immorality. Behold, I will throw her into a sickbed 
And those who commit adultery with her I'll throw into great tribulation unless they repent of her works. And I will strike her children dead. And all the churches will know that I am the one who searches mind and heart. I want you to just focus on this, those two words for a moment. Jesus says, he is the one that searches the mind and the heart. And I will give to each of you according to your works. But to the rest of you in Thyatira, who do not hold to this teaching, who have not learned what some call the deep things of Satan, to you I say, I do not lay on you any other burden. Only hold fast to what you have until I come. In other words, saying, great job. You, you didn't allow this, you didn't tolerate this woman Jezebel. And her teachings and her ways. Then he says, I will give authority over the nations, and he will rule with them with a rod of iron, as when earthen pots are broken into pieces, even as myself have received authority from my Father, and I will give him the morning star, and he who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Now, I could go on a whole week-long message of this, all the details and components that are in here, but I really want to focus on three words. One is tolerate. Number two, when he searches our mind and our heart. So tolerate mind and heart. We have to look about, about to what it is that he was, he was talking about, what we're tolerating so Jezebel, there are scholars who believe that maybe Jezebel wasn't the actual Jezebel, that it was, it was her spirit. Jezebel did exist in the Bible. She's found in, in the kings. And she was married to a king. She was married to King Ahab, which was the king of northern Israel. Her father, interestingly enough, was Ethbel. He was the priest of Baal. B-A-A-L. He's a priest of Baal. And what this kind of false religion, if you will, or these practices were, is they would take a lot of the maybe good practices of worship, but they would infuse all of these other weird practices, this sexual immorality. It was Jezebel had this ability to take what was true and right, the spirit of Jezebel, and twist it in such a way that would divert people away from the truth, that would divert them away from righteousness, the right way of living. And, and around her, she had a lot of control issues that would bring this to play. So Jezebel introduced, from, really from her father, but she carried on this practice in Israel, which, which, by the way, Ahab was about, at one point in time, one true God, Yahweh, the singular God. And then Jezebel introduced all these new concepts, so much so that Ahab then actually built a temple to Baal, to worship Baal. And so in these, this this type of worship, you had this sexual immorality, these temple prostitutes. And so all the young guys at that point in time who were shop, church shopping, which one do you think they chose? 
well, I kind of think I'm going to go to worship mom today, but I'm going to go to that church. But meanwhile, it was seductive and it brought people into this place where it took their hearts away from the one true God. And as much as last week we were talking about that's what our culture is doing to us today, it is robbing and stealing from us. And it's creeping into the church and it's taking us away from experiencing the one true God. You have to understand what this line of thinking is. If everything is tolerance and relativism, and it's okay, we just become pacifist. Well, well, I believe in Jesus, but you believe in Muhammad, and you believe in Buddha, and, and we come to this place of like, we're okay, it's just, we're one big happy family that we're going to all get to the same place at some point anyways. We're going to go to the pie in the sky, we'll find the creator, we might call him something different, but God is love after all. Well, if God is love after all, then why did Jesus have an issue with Jezebel who was taking people's hearts away from the one true God to worship this Baal? It's interesting, there was one guy, though, that stood up. Do you remember who that was, Elijah? He says, you know what? This is not right. Uh, We're not going to tolerate this. We, you, are, you are trying to kill all the prophets of God. So remember the one story where the account where Elijah goes up against the 450 other prophets of Baal and they say, whose God is more powerful? And they wanted to you know, put a bunch of sticks in a big pile and said, well, you call down your God and set this thing on fire and I'll call down from my God and we'll set this thing on fire. And, you know, after the, the Baal... Prophets of Baal, they're like doing all their jiggy-wigget things and hum-da-dums and like chants or whatever they were doing to try to drum up this spirit that would set this thing up. Nothing. So Elijah, with great confidence, starts dousing on his little pile of wood, even with water. It's like, see, see, my God, the one true God, Yahweh, the singular God, the God of the universe, he can do this. And all of a sudden, fire consumes this, this pile and the prophets of Baal get consumed by this whole event that takes place. But this is what the spirit of Jezebel would do. And this is what, this is what God was addressing in this, this church. Jesus is addressing. And he's saying, why are you tolerating this? Now, before you start, your mind starts going, is like, okay, are we supposed to be like seeking out people in the church to say, oh, you're doing this and we're not going to tolerate you and we're going to put you outside the church. You see, there's been abuse in the church in, in, in the past where it, people's minds will go there and say, oh, this becomes about a big witch hunt. Uh, just, I want to remind you, when I'm pointing a finger at any one of you. How many fingers are also pointing at me? Three of those little fingers. So I've just learned to do this. I have enough issues that I just go like, I don't even point anymore. I just go like, it's me. See, I got to look for the spirit of Jezebel in me 
And I'm going to trust that God's going to take care of. Now, there are issues, there are times where we need to address certain things in the church. I, I get that. But I'll tell you what, if everybody is doing a great job and saying, God, test my heart, test my mind. See, he goes on, he says, okay, we've tolerated this. And my question for us is, what are we tolerating in our life? What are the things in our life that are like Jezebel, who pulls our heart away from the one true God? But then we're reminded of the one that searches our mind and searches our hearts. And that's to me why I say we need to ask ourselves, what is like Jezebel in my life? What am I tolerating in my life that is pulling me away from the one true God? Can I tell you that our children will embrace what we tolerate? Let me say that again. Our children will embrace what we tolerate. Our culture is moving at lightning speed. Access to media. Access to the latest and greatest of all the things that our fingers can get us to. And there are things that are in our homes today that would have never appeared in our homes before because it wasn't even available. And you have to wonder, what is 20, 30, 40 years going to look like if... We as the church, we as Christians, don't do a little self-inspection and point the fingers to us and say, what is it that I have allowed, what have I tolerated in my life that is pulling me away from my relationship with the one true God? Because if I've tolerated certain things in my life, our kids will see that. And it doesn't make a difference if your kids are grown and you're grown. Or if you don't have kids, because if you're spiritual moms and dads, doesn't matter what age we're talking about here. And by the way, young people, if you're listening to this, it's not too late to start looking at your heart and saying, God, can you test my mind and test my heart to see if there's things in my life that, that shouldn't be there, but yet I'm tolerating them. But for us who, I would say, should know better, our children will embrace what we tolerate. And today, I want it to not be a Debbie Downer day. (laughs) Oh, great. Pastor Mark came down here in Manchester. We only see him every once in a while. But, man, he just gave us a Debbie Downer message. We don't want Pastor Mark come anymore. No, but you know what? Here's, Here's the good news in all of this is we have the ability to stand up. To stand up like Elijah stood up and says, you know what? It's time to to look at the one true God. It's time to test our hearts to say, you know what? I've tolerated, I've allowed things in my life that shouldn't be there and I've tolerated them too long. And you know what? When we start doing that, how the presence of God comes into our life and He begins to use us and and now we are having greater influence of people around us. But here's the question. 
It's great to say, what are we tolerating? Immediately we go to moral things, right? We always have that moral compass inside. Ooh, I know. Ooh, I did that again this week. I shouldn't have. But I'm saying, what about tolerance about truth? Tolerance about your friends who have conversations, and it kind of goes, well, what if somebody says, well, doesn't, don't all these religions lead to one place anyways? And you're in the conversation, and, and can you give an answer if somebody asked you, well, what do you believe? Um, um, I, I, know, I know this guy, Jesus. Um, I, I go to church every Sunday. Is it enough to tell people that you go to church every Sunday? Is that enough of an answer? Or do we need to spend time digging into the Word of God to begin to really understand what it says? Well, see, there's a thought out there that maybe hell doesn't exist. That's a current thought out there today. And I would have to say that is a spirit of Jezebel that pulls us to the place of saying, well, that, that would be okay because we know God's love and why would he put somebody to hell and we can try and... Okay, can we go back to the word of God, please? You see, if we don't know what the word of God says, then when we have these conversations, we can follow somebody's great intelligent mind of process and we can say, well, I, I kind of get where you're going with that. Oh, okay, so maybe I'll just adopt it. And it's these slippery slopes that that happen when we don't know the truth of God's word. I've had the privilege of of going through um, as a church in Pembroke. They've they've done this. Well, they started a little while ago. Um, I don't know how long ago, but they've put a lot of people through Operation Solid Lives OSL. Jerry Dearman, who's uh, who's a great Bible teacher, one of our Foursquare pastors, and. And he's done this great teaching that will help get us back into the Word of God and to study it, to understand His truth. So we actually have a foundation to stand on because guess what? As much as these messages are so great on Sunday, it's not enough. It's not enough. We have got to spend time disciplining ourselves to get into God's Word and understand what it says. So when the hard questions come... We'll have an answer. The Bible says be prepared to give an answer for the hope that you have. Are you prepared to answer the questions? Or are we just going to tolerate a lot of ideas out there that actually are not grounded in truth, but they're grounded in philosophical ideas that will eventually seep into your heart Because we are the church now, right? And we begin to think and act a certain way because we've allowed certain ideas to take root. That's why, again, he says, search my mind and my heart. That's why I think King David was a man after God's own heart. And we've got to wrap this thing up here. Because what did David... You know, David was not perfect. Hello? You know his stories? (laughs) Moral failures. But you know, he had enough wits about him to say, Search my heart, O God. See if you can find any evil or wicked way inside of me. 
You say, well, that sounds awfully narrow-minded, this whole idea of absolute truth. It seems so awfully narrow-minded. I'm going I'm to close with this thought. If it seems narrow-minded, I want to remind you of this scripture in Matthew 7, verse 13. Write this down. It says, enter through the narrow gate. You see, wide is the gate that leads to destruction. The narrow gate is where we find Jesus who says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. Our children will embrace what we tolerate. God, search my heart, search my mind, and God, I pray that I would be diligent enough to seek out your face, your truth. Then give me the courage to stand up like Elijah stood up and and face these things inside of our lives that are like Jezebel's, these things that take us away from your heart, God, that cloud our thinking, that cloud our our hearts. Father, I just ask that you would search us today. That we'd pray like David. Father, that we give you permission to seek out our hearts and our minds. God, I don't need to point out anybody's speck in somebody else's eye because I've got a big old log in my eye. That God, I need your help to continue to do work in my life. Father, give me courage to stand up to no longer put up with those Jezebels, the things that take me away from who you are, to your purposes, to your heart, the place that brings life. We understand God is so countercultural today because it seems so narrow minded. <laughs> so reminded that it is a narrow gate in which we must pass. In Jesus' name, amen. What I'd like us to do with that message today, be encouraged. I truly believe the Spirit of God is wanting to do something in our midst, but we, need, we will be facing a challenge Whenever the Spirit of God moves before, the enemy loves to go. So what I want us to do is be in the Word of God. Please be in your Bibles this week. Read. Go through the SOAP method, journaling, if you need to, as a, as a way of doing that. The other thing is when, when we start up Operation Solid Lives for our Manchester location, get plugged in. Be a student. Study. If you would like to know more about Grace Capital Church or how to get a copy of this broadcast, please visit us online at gccnh.com.